Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, would you open up to 2 Kings in the Old Testament? That is, it's right after 1 Kings. Now, people sometimes ask, why do you preach from the Old Testament? Because all 66 books, Genesis to Revelation, are inspired by God. And in Romans, it tells us that whatsoever things were written beforehand, meaning the Old Testament was written for our learning, we can learn something that we might, through the scriptures, have hope. Then in 1 Corinthians, it says, these things happened to them, again, Old Testament, to the people of God in the Old Testament. These things happen to them, and they are for our examples. So we can learn from and we can gain examples because the Word of God is powerful, whether it's Genesis to Malachi or Matthew to Revelation. So how many of you found 2 Kings? 2 Kings, amen. Praise the Lord. You know, I just was so troubled when I heard... Um, the weather report, because this is the first Sunday of 2024. Tomorrow, we're beginning a, a critical five days of prayer and fasting that are strategic, that really they're a, they're a, a short-term sacrifice that's going to yield long-term results. It was critical that we had church today. I'm thankful that you're here. I'm thankful that you're watching online. God has something for us that will inspire us, that will encourage us today. Can you say amen? Yeah. I've entitled my message, Don't Lose, or rather, uh, Recovering Your Spiritual Edge. Recovering Your Spiritual Edge. Um, I wanted to uh, entitle it, Don't Lose Your Head. And you'll know what I mean as we get into the message. I actually told my wife about it. I said, I'm going to bring an axe to church. And uh, I told her the title. She said, hon, that's kind of gruesome. She really thought I meant don't lose your physical head. Uh, she didn't understand. We love you, Pastor Lisa. Um, but now you're going to get the full revelation of what my message is. Um, but recovering your spiritual edge 2023, I believe the Lord gave me a word about restoration. And you know what? God, because we're in 2024, we're going to be taking them down. But you know what? God is not done restoring things in your life. Nothing is too difficult for God. If God gave you a promise, if God gave you a word, you hold tight to it by faith. You persevere and you believe and God will bring to pass what he has declared. God is not a man that he should lie nor the son of man that he should relent. If he said it, he'll do it. If he spoke it, God will bring it to pass. Amen. Second Kings chapter 6. Thus begins the reading of God's word. And the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, See now, the place where we dwell with you, let us go to the Jordan. Let every man take a beam from there, and let us make there a place where we may dwell. And he answered, Elisha answered and said, Go. Then one said, Please consent to go with your servants. And he answered, I will go. So we went with them. And when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. As, but as one was cutting down a tree, the axe head, the iron axe head fell into the water. 
And he cried out and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. And the man of God said, Where did it fall? And he showed him the place. So he cut off a stick and he threw it in there and he made the iron float. Therefore, he said, pick it up for yourself. So he reached out his hand and he took it. I want to talk to you about recovering your spiritual edge. The spiritual edge speaks of the anointing and the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. God wants to restore that even in a greater way. If you've experienced the anointing, if you've had the presence of God upon you, if you've had a level of success, you've had a level of fruitfulness in God, God wants to give you a greater anointing in 2024. Can you say amen? amen. In the context, we're looking at about 800 years before Christ. 8th century B.C. Elisha was mentored and trained by Elijah, two different people. Elijah, you've got you to be careful how you say it. <laughs> Elijah and Elisha, that wasn't husband and wife. That was the prophet Elijah came along and he began to mentor the prophet Elisha. Elisha followed Elijah and ministered to him, to him and was mentored by him and trained by him for about 10 years. And when it came time for the Lord, uh, for, for Elijah to pass from the scene, Elisha stuck so close to Elijah and he said, I won't let you go until there's a blessing on my life. I'm going to keep following you. And you know what he asked for? He asked for a double portion. He wanted a double portion of the anointing. You know what he was saying? He was saying, I want the right of the firstborn. I want the blessing of the firstborn. I want a double portion. I don't want just one portion. I want a double portion. He had a faith. He had a passion. He had a tenacity. He had a desire for more of God, for all that God had. And you know what Elijah said to him? You've asked a hard thing. It's not easy to get all that God wants for you. The blessings of God, the anointings of God, the provisions of God just don't fall off a tree like overripe fruit. You have to pursue God. You have to desire God. You have to get serious about your faith. You have to get to the place that you're willing to pray and you're even willing to fast. You know what? When people are willing to deny themselves food, you know they're serious. Because we like to eat. Come on, you could say amen. It's okay. We're all guilty, so we could all say amen. So Elisha now is the prophet of the time. He's the one who is anointed by God. He is the one that is raising up what is called the sons of the prophets. You see, that's interesting because those who were in training for the ministry back then, they were not called Bible school students, they were not called seminarians, they were called the sons of the prophets because the prophet and those he was training had a relationship. They had the understanding that they were a father. And you know what I love about the different cultures that are a part of this church is this church in the different places that I've traveled to in the world, even when it comes to especially Africa. The Africans understand this. You hear a lot about a father, a mother 
a pastor being called father, uh, the pastor's wife, or even ministry leaders and people in the ministry, they're called mothers and fathers. Why? Because they understand that there's a relationship and something is transferred and something is released when someone is under the, the ministry or, or the mantle or the covering of that person. They understand that, and I think that's a good thing. And so they were called the sons of the prophets. And they would call out and say, Father. And here's what I want to look at in this passage of Scripture, and this is critical to understand. We have a concern. Let's look at the Word of God. I believe, we believe here at Victory, those that preach from this pulpit understand that we believe in expository preaching. What we mean by that is we take the scriptures and we expound on them. We explain them. We don't just take a scripture, tip our hat to it, and go off somewhere else. Hello? Why? Because it's important that we expound on and we declare what God has said in his word and we go through the scriptures. So we're going to do that this morning. Turn to the person next to you say, that's a good thing. Let's look at the scriptures. The sons of the prophets said to Elisha, their father, their mentor, the prophet of God, see now, the place where we dwell with you is too small for us. Here is a concern that we look at in the scriptures. Here is a problem. How many of you know there are good problems? Hello? Not every problem is bad. They're a good problem. This is a good problem. Why is it a good problem? Because they're experiencing growth. They're developing in their ministry. They're growing. They're expanding. They're stretching forth. They have a problem, but it's a good problem. The place where we dwell is too small. And I like the way they start. They said, see now. We're not talking about yesterday. We're not talking about bygone days. We're not talking about 10 years ago, 50 years ago, what God did back then. We're talking about today. See now. God is working. God is doing something. But we have a challenge. We have a problem. We have a concern. This place is too small. You know, in the ministry, we find out, Pastor Mike, that um, it's not easy in the ministry. People have problems and they come to churches and they bring their problems with us and that with them and and that's that's okay because the church is supposed to be a spiritual hospital where people get healing get deliverance get wholeness um, but the problem is people are problems but we want growth we want more people so that's saying we want more problems So the more people, the more problems, but, but that's just the reality of it. But you know what? That, those are good problems. I'd rather have the problem of too many people having to worry about how are we going to staff the, the parking lot, the nursery? How are we going to have enough ushers? How are we going to have enough worship leaders? How are we going to have enough of people to do ministry? Those are good problems. How many of you know when your business grows, there are problems? How, how, how many of you know when your finances increase, there are problems? you got more friends now. Come on now. The, see, when, when things expand, things grow. There, even when your family grows. You know, we pray for children. And then when we have our children, we're praying for grandchildren. 
Oh, it's a wonderful thing, grandchildren. Amen. God gives you a do-over. Amen. Hallelujah. But the reality of it is they were, they were having some challenges. You see, they were growing in, 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 in the, the quarters, the, the dormitories were getting a little too cramped. Now, they were the sons of the prophets, so they're growing. That's a good thing, but it's a concern. It's a challenge. It's a problem. So they said the place where we're dwelling is too small. Now, my wife and I, we lived in, on the original campus of Zion Bible Institute, now called North Point Bible College. Before they moved to Barrington, before they moved to Haverhill, where they are today, we were in East Providence. And in my dormitory, in my room, in the men's dorm, there were five of us in a small room. Now, there were two bunk beds and one bed. So there were, think about that, like you could only get out of bed one at a time because there wasn't enough room. If you wanted to change your mind, you had to step out of the room. It was so cramped. And I, you know, in the closet, you had a closet, and you only had this much space for all of your clothes. How many of you know that's a problem? <laughs> the place was cramped. The place was small. But again, it was a good thing because there was growth. There was, there was growth. They were, they were going to go to the Jordan. What does the Bible say? Look at the word. Please let us go to the Jordan. What was the Jordan? It was that, that river of fresh water that flowed from the mount, mountains in the northern part of Israel, which was Mount Hermon, and they would flow down and all the way down throughout the land of Israel, and it would flow into the Sea of Galilee, and then it eventually would flow into uh, the Dead Sea in the south. But this was a place of, of vitality. This was a place where things would grow. So they said, let us go to the Jordan. Let us cut down some trees. Let us shape them into a beam. And let's make a new dwelling place. Let's expand. Hallelujah. Let's, let's build a bigger dormitory. Let's build a bigger barn. Let's build a bigger place. I believe God's going to expand our church. I believe God's going to expand your life. It's going to come with challenges. How many of you know the blessings sometimes and many times become a burden? Why? Because the more God gives you, the more responsibility you have. The more you increase, the more people are calling on you. But I'd rather be, be have people calling on me than me sitting in a corner and not knowing what to do, twiddling, twiddling my fingers. I remember when the church first started, we had a, just a few people, and, and, and I would sit in my office, and, and I would sit there, and I would wait for the phone to ring. I, even if I was waiting for telemarketers, anybody that would call, I was just sitting there waiting. I want to talk to somebody. As soon as the phone rang, hello, Victory Assembly of God. <laughs> but then you have growth. Then we have telemarketers calling. They want to sell us something. You know, you have, you have some slick telemarketers. They'll call, and they're trying to sell some um, uh, ministry program. And they'll call, Pastor, I have a question for you. Do you want to grow your church? No, I don't. Goodbye. <laughs> of course, they're, they're trying to hook you and bait you into buying their model or buying their material, whatever it is. Please let us go to the Jordan. Every man take a beam from there. Let us, make, let us make there a place we may dwell. And you know what Elisha says? He says, go. 
Now, I want you to understand something. That's critical. Don't, don't just gloss over that. Don't just move along. What, what Elisha was doing, he was giving his blessing. You see, what's wrong in our culture, what's wrong in our day and age, what's even wrong in our church, we don't understand authority anymore. Do you know a person received a miracle in the scriptures because they understood authority? They said, I'm a man under authority, and I say that my soldiers go, and they go. And all you have to do, Jesus, is speak the word because I understand authority. Do we understand authority? Do we live under authority? Do we flow under authority? They said, we want to go. And you know what Elisha says? Go. You can go with my blessing. I have had people in our church, God, faithful, godly people, God, they call to minister to somewhere else. You know what they'll do? They'll come to me, pastor, pray for me, or pastor, I want you to know I'm not going to be in church because I'm preaching somewhere. And I appreciate that. But more than me appreciating it, I believe God appreciates it because it speaks of someone being under authority. All of us are under authority with somebody. Nobody is a, a, an island under themselves, doing their own thing, going their own place. We are all in unity, in a, one accordness, and they understood that. They were trained by Elisha. They said, let us go. And you know what Elisha says? Go. Now it doesn't stop there. Look at verse 3. Then one said, one of the prophets, one of the sons of the prophets, one of Elisha's disciple, if you will, said this. Please consent to go with us. That was a stroke of genius. But in reality, it was, an, it was an impressive display of submission and humility. See, they were growing. They were increasing in the anointing. God was using them. Let me just say this, sometimes what happens in churches when God begins to anoint and use people, they begin to think that they don't need anybody or they don't need to be under authority of anybody. But here they are, they're growing, they're getting revelation, they're, they're, their ministry's increasing, they're, the place where they are is too small, they need to expand, and they ask Elisha, can we go? And he says, go, but one of them says, hey, wait a minute, Elisha, would you come with us? And you know what Elisha simply says? I will go. You see, they understood something. They wanted to be under Elisha's covering for the anointing. I believe that I walk under an anointing of several men that have mentored me over the years. I believe that that covering is, is critical and strategic and, and, and really it, it, is, it, it so informs who I am today. Why? Because it's a discipleship, it's a mentoring, it's a, a father-son relationship that has caused me to walk under an anointing and have something released in my life. I want you to understand that God wants to do the same thing in your life, and he is doing it. In 2024, we're going to see it increase even more, but it doesn't mean we rise up in pride, we don't have an Absalom spirit, but we come under submission of authority, and we flow together in unity, and God will honor that, and God will bless that. Say amen, even if you don't mean it. So he says, I will go. Verse 4, he went with them. And when they came to the Jordan, they began to cut down trees. It's all going good. They have an axe. I'm going to keep the protecting so if it, if it 
loosens up a little bit. If somebody gets hit with it, you know, it won't hurt too much. <laughs> did, we, did we make sure this is secure, Pastor Mike? Pretty good, new. The Bible says that one was cutting down a tree. Now, now listen, they're prophets, they're anointed, um, they're men of God, uh, but, but you know what? They still had to work. You know, uh, when I first started training for the ministry, you know what my pastor did? He gave me a toilet brush cleaner, and he gave me some paper towels, and he said, go clean the toilets. But I'm training for the ministry. He says, yeah, that's, that's what you just said, right? That's what you're doing. Oh, I, I don't know. I, I might have to preach this message all over again. But, but they had to work. They couldn't confess in the name of Jesus, building a pier. No, 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 no. They had to get out their axe. They had to start cutting it down. The Bible says that, that the axe head, as he's cutting the tree, the axe head, see this part, this metal part flew off and it went into the Jordan. What happens? He cried out, alas, master, it was borrowed. You know, now, alas, we don't speak like that today, right? There's, there's something a little different. We don't say alas. But the New International Version says, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, Lord. How many of you ever lost something? Now, uh, Brother Douglas, in our prayer meeting last night, he shared about losing his keys. And isn't that a, a, a trial, right? You lose your keys and like, where did I lose them? You know, maybe some of you have lost, um, uh, you lost, lose your phone. How many of you ever lost your glasses? You didn't know they were on top of your head. Isn't it true? We lose things. But, but, but here he is. He loses his head. That was my subtitle, don't lose your head. He lost the axe head. Now, what, what does that signify? I believe that speaks of, what does that axe head do? It accomplishes something. It speaks of the anointing. Now, now, let me say this to you. Sometimes, because of our religious upbringing, because of YouTube videos, because of our background, we think the anointing is shouting. Oh, the pastor shouted and he spit today. He was anointed. <laughs> oh, the pastor was anointed. He didn't even look at his notes. He was so anointed. The greatest sermon ever preached, Jonathan Edwards, he read his notes word by word and a great revival broke out, was called the Great Awakening. And thousands and tens of thousands were converted and, and, and the complexity of, of culture and, and, and towns were changed. And so we think the anointing is speaking in tongues. Oh, he was shouting. Oh, it was an anointing. Oh, he was anointed. His voice quivered. The anointing is the Holy Spirit's power enabling you to do something. It's the enabling grace to be effective. I heard of a, a, a leader of a denomination who was having trouble with a pastor whose church was shrinking and shrinking, and he went to visit the pastor, and the pastor said, oh, brother, I said, our church, we're having great services. The Holy Spirit's moving. God is really doing something, but nobody wants to come. Hello? 
Let me, let me give you the revelation of that and interpret that for you. What he was trying to say, well, we're having these great services, but nobody's coming. Well, then what kind of service is it? If, if God is moving, if the anointing is flowing and lives are being changed, people will come. The church will not shrink and shrink and shrink. See, that's where we get into the, the, the spiritual mumbo-jumbo and spooky ways. Oh, God is working. and well, it's, Let's see the fruit. Come on, that goes for you, that goes for me. I want to see, I want to see the fruitfulness of God. I want to see the blessing of God. I want to see God do what he said he would do in his word. And I'm not going to bring down the word of God to my experience, but I'm going to stress, stretch and strain to get up to the level of God's word. God, do what you said you would do. Do what you did in this book, in my life, in our lives, in our church, and in our ministries. We don't want to settle for just, just saying nice things. You see, the axe head flew off. He couldn't chop wood, couldn't get the job done. This man needed to get his edge back. He needed the anointing of the Holy Spirit. How many of you are still with me this morning? I want to ask you something. Have you settled for less than God intended? Have you lost your spiritual edge? Have you given in to the lies of the devil that your anointing is gone, your purpose is lost, your family, your children are lost? Let me just tell you, to be honest with you, the reality of it is we all, at one time or another, we lose our spiritual edge. We all. So this is not to pick out anyone or to bring condemnation or to make anybody feel whatever. The reality of it is we all need to get back, recover a spiritual edge. I thank God for a fast coming up tomorrow. Turn to the person next to you and say, if you haven't heard, there's a fast coming. I thank God because I know in my own life there's nothing that helps me to get my spiritual edge back than a fast. There's nothing that sharpens the edge than a fast. It gets you to a place where you open yourself up to hear from God, to, to draw near to God, to be in a place of consecration that God is pleased with and that God blesses. I want you to understand something that you and I need to encourage ourselves today. You and I need to inspire ourselves today with the thought that we will rise up in faith and expectation to see God work through this fast coming up Monday through Friday of this coming week. You and I will get our spiritual edge back. God can still make iron float. I want you to look at this. Look at the word of God. The man of God said, where did it fall? And he showed him the place. And he cut off a stick and he threw it in there and he made the iron float. What a powerful, powerful truth. You see, he asked him, he says, where did it in the name of the Lord? And it would have floated. You see how God, he does the miraculous. God does the supernatural, but he works with you and I. Pastor Mike made reference to the loaves and the fishes. How many of you know that God, that Jesus broke the loaves and the fishes, but, but the disciples had to organize 
5,000, which could have been 15,000 because it just says 5,000 men. So that means there might have been 15, 20 with wife and children. Imagine 20,000 people, Pasquale, having to divide them up in groups of 50. No, I want to sit over there. No, I don't like that seat. I don't want to park over there in the parking. I'm, I'm going over to oh, something else. Imagine 20,000 people, they're hungry. You, you ever see people who are hungry? I've seen them at church fellowships. When they're hungry, man, all decorum goes out the window. They'll bustle and push and get to the front of the line. Some people I never see come to the altar. They're first in line at a fellowship. How do they do that? Oh, I thought they were shy. I thought they were backward. I thought they weren't too clever. Oh, no. Oh, no. When the motivation's right, they're right there. The front of the line, and they build up a plate. I mean, that plate's like this. And you know what they sing? This mountain shall be removed. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Why am I talking about food? We're going to be fasting in 12 hours. Elisha said, where did you lose it? Now, that's something important. How about when you lose something? What do you do when you've lost your keys, your glasses? What do you do? You try to go back. Where did I last have it? Where did I leave it? You go back in your mind. And Elisha is, is saying to this man, where did you lose it? I want you to remember. And I think the Holy Spirit wants to ask that question this morning. Where did you lose your head? Where did you lose the anointing? Where did you leave off? Go back in your mind. Was it you stopped coming to church regularly? Was it you stopped reading the word of God on a daily basis? See, God can touch you with these altars powerfully. I believe in that with all of my heart. That's why we, we do that. We pray for people. But you know what? God can set you free. God can reveal his glory to you. God can touch you in a tangible and a powerful way. But it's the difference between being touched and walking in the anointing. There's a difference between getting blessed but walking in the blessing. There's where you have to do your part. Heart. Where did you lose it? Did you get involved in a relationship with somebody that began to take you down a wrong path? Did you start to go on Facebook and start to look in somebody's postings and, and it started to lead you down a wrong path? Did you start to compromise your convictions? You didn't believe in drinking, or you believed in social drinking, but that social drinking began to be drinking one too many. Where did you lose it? Did you begin to think that it's okay to, to fool around a little bit with, and, 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 and talk with women or men at work that you get a little too friendly with? Where did you lose the anointing? You wonder why you come to church and you can't worship freely because you lost your head. You lost the anointing. But I want to encourage you today. Where did you lose it? Go back to that place. You know what? God could still make the axe head float again. Hallelujah. Think about it. Axe, this doesn't float, brothers and sisters. This metal, don't flow, will never float. It's sunk to the bottom. 
He said, where did you lose it? And he said, over there. You know what Elisha did? The Bible said he, he cut. What does the Bible say? Look at the word of God. It says he cut off a stick. I, 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 think, I think that speaks of the cross. I think that speaks of the, the tree. The cross of Calvary. He didn't break off. You know, it didn't say he broke off a branch. It says he cut it. That speaks of it had to be big. It had to be significant. So he cut something just like Moses was instructed when they came to the bitter waters in the wilderness and they couldn't drink the water. God instructed him, said, I want you to take a tree and I want you to cast it into the waters and the bitter waters will become sweet. What does that speak of? That speaks of you and I and our lives that God still is able through his blood, through his cross to take the most bitter experiences you have ever gone through and turn it into sweetness. Someone, somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. He threw the stick into the water. And the Bible says the iron floated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The iron floated. And he said, pick it up for yourself. So he reached out his hand and he took it. You know... The sons of the prophets, they said, we need to expand. We need to go to a place where we can stretch out and increase and grow. Elisha gives his blessing. He says, go. And then one has a revelation. He says, you know what? I want you to come with us. I want your, I want your covering. I want your blessing. If Elisha, I want you to look at this. If Elisha didn't go, this man would have lost his axe head. It wasn't even his which compounded the problem. Now he had to go to pay somebody for what he lost. Someone ever take your car, get in an accident, you didn't have insurance and they weren't paying? It's a problem. He was borrowed. He said, he said, it was borrowed. I didn't even own it. If I owned it and lost it, I can deal with it. But now I don't have it and I owe somebody. I have to repay it. Imagine if he didn't ask Elisha to go, he went on his own in his pride and, and he went on and he did his own thing and, and you know what, he lost the axe head. Now he owes somebody and now he has no anointing. Now he's not able to build anything. But Elisha was there. Elisha was able to bring about deliverance, bring about a healing, bring about a victory. I want to ask you this morning, where are you at? Has your axe, have you lost your axe head? Or has your axe become dull? Think again, if we're all honest, we can say we don't always have that spiritual sharpness. We're not always that cutting edge. We might be ineffective. We might be doing our best, but still we're chopping. The story is told, Tony Evans tells about it in one of his books, he talks about two lumberjacks, one young, strong man challenged this older uh, um, lumberjack to a contest to see how many could cut down uh, trees in, in a four-hour period. So the young man, strong and full of energy, began to chop tree, trees down, and he's just mowing them down, chopping away, chopping away. The older, the wiser, the, the, the more seasoned lumberjack after every hour, he would take 15 minutes and he began to sharpen his blade. 
sharpen his blade and go at it again. After the four-hour period, they began to tally the, the, the number of logs, the number of trees that were cut down, and they found that the older and the wiser man had cut down more. When the young man asked him, he said, son, he said, I took time to sharpen my axe. You know the proverb says that by much use, an axe is made dull. Can we be wise enough today? Can we be sincere and honest enough today to say I've lost my head? Some of you that say you lost your head, you mean you really lost it. And that's bad, it's not a good situation, but God still makes the axe head to float again. That's the good news. Some of you, maybe not, you haven't lost your head, you're just, your axe head is dull. God can, through a fast, that's one way. It's not the only way, but that's one powerful way, can, could, could, could sharpen your axe again. I want to close with this thought. If you can just come back, the musicians. Again, it speaks of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It speaks of that cutting edge. You see, you and I know what God can do. We've got to believe that, and we've got to take it and receive it for ourselves, that anointing that God could work through us. I want you to just stand with me as we close. I want to ask you this question. Do you remember, do you remember the passion that you had when you were first saved? Do you remember special times of prayer and intercession when the glory of God met you in a powerful way? Do you remember when you were filled with the Holy Spirit and you spoke in heavenly languages as God's glory washed over you? Do you remember times when you had genuine, undeniable, real peace and joy in your life. I don't know what it was that caused you to lose your head. Maybe, maybe you got mad at the pastor for some reason. I don't know why you'd ever get mad at me. But maybe you did and you started tuning out his messages, his sermons. Or maybe during church you started to get distracted and you were on social media when the pastor was preaching. I know none of you ever do that, but it's just a warning. Or maybe you fell back into some old habit, some old sin that you thought you were delivered from. I don't know what it was. I don't know what it is. But I want, to, I want you to hear in closing what Jesus said to a church that had lost its edge. In Revelation chapter 2, the church at Ephesus, the Bible says, Jesus said, you're hardworking. You, you cannot stand those who do evil. You have solid doctrine. You've been to Pastor Richard's Bible doctrine class. But he said this, the Lord said this, but I have something against you. You have left your first love. You see, brothers and sisters, that's what it's all about. You see, it's not about just the anointing. It's about the presence of God in our lives. The anointing is the fruit of that. 
And it's glorious and it's great. But Jesus rebuked them. He said, you have left your first love. The son of the prophet, he lost his axe head. That was accidental. But you know what? Jesus said, you left your first love. That's, there's no excuse for that one. It's not accidental. That was purposeful, if, if you will. They left it. They left it aside. Brothers and sisters, I've been walking with the Lord 42 years and I have to deal with the same things you have to deal with. I have to come back to that same place. God, restore the sharpness. Restore that anointing. Restore that edge. Like, like David, I have to cry out, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. And you see, that's what we need to do. Jesus told that church in Revelation, he says, I want you to remember I want you to remember where you fall from. See the similarities to this Old Testament passage? I want you, where, he was saying, where did you lose it? Remember, remember where you left it. And then he says, repent. That means have a change of mind. This morning, don't think your thoughts are greater than God's word. Don't think your logic is better than the ways of God. You see, God's ways are not our ways. As far as the heavens are above the earth, so far are his thoughts above ours. We deal with a culture that thinks they know better than God. We deal with a culture that has their own philosophy, their own logic, their own way of doing things. And you know what? For a time and a season, it might look right. It might look like it works. But nothing works like God's word. Jesus said, remember, repent. That means turn around and do the first works. In other words, go back to what you did originally. Brothers and sisters, as we enter 2000, as we're in 2024, I want us to, to consecrate ourselves to seek God every night this week. Set it aside. Clear your calendar. Take time out of work if you can. Don't lie to do that, but just take time out. If you can get the time out. Change your schedule. Come out to pray. Seek God. Deny yourself. And I'm telling you, God will cause the axe head to float again. God will do the miraculous. God will save your backslidden children. God will heal diseases. God will do the God will provide for you. God will open up the windows of heaven and he'll pour out a blessing on you. Can we close in a song of worship? And what I want you to do is just find a place just for five minutes before we dismiss at your seat or at these altars. And I want you to just worship the Lord and present yourself to God. Turn to God today and you could be dismissed. I won't have, this is your dismissal, but before you do, take time to just sit with God. In Jesus' name, amen. As the Spirit was over the Spirit, come move over us. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. As the Spirit was moving over the water, Spirit, come.